Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. In today's episode, I chat with Stephen Irby. Stephen is the co-founder of Street Dreams Mag. Street Dreams Mag is a quarterly publication that was started by Stephen, Eric Veloso, and Mike C. Uh, they started this, I think it's been about five years now. Yeah, in 2014 is when Street Dreams Mag first started, uh, which we get into that uh, those early days. Um, but yeah, they focus on building this community around street style photography, but they do it in a way that is, you know, just so real and just so raw too. You know, they all have street photography backgrounds. They got together because they love shooting and they love, you know, shooting this in particular. And what they do is they, they go out and they, you know, they look for creatives and photographers that, you know, have you know, a similar mission and that are putting out really, really good work. And, you know, just because you don't have a hundred thousand followers, you know, doesn't mean you can't be featured in Street Dreams Mag, which is really cool. You know, they, they go through and they really look for, you know, talent and let the work speak for itself. And they've been doing that for a while and people, you know, love this thing. They love Street Dreams Mag and it's, it's, you know, grown to be so huge. They're doing Street Dreams Mag radio and they put up events all the time and they really bring, you know, community together um, where they do these things. So yeah, uh, talking to Steven about that was really, really cool. Um, you guys can check out Street Dreams Mag on Instagram at Street Dreams Mag. You can see Steven's work at Steve Sweatpants. Steven is also a street photographer, a director, and a creative consultant. He's worked with you know gigantic brands like Nike, HBO, New Balance, the New York Knicks, Tribeca Film Festival. The list goes on. And yeah, we get into a whole bunch. Uh, Steven is a great dude. Super, uh, super pumped to be able to finally chat with him. And uh, yeah, you guys, well, without further ado, here is a conversation with Steven Irby. Welcome to the Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Dark Room. Hey, what's up, Dan? How you doing? Steven! Good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, man. Always running around, but... Yeah, same old shit. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate you uh, uh, carving out some time for us, man. I know you're super busy. How's, uh, how's New York today? Uh, New York is beautiful now. The sun is out, like it's nice and sunny. Uh, so, you know, everybody, like you can tell anytime there's good weather in New York, you can tell because people are like, you know, everybody, like the birds are chirping, like people are laughing down the street yeah. and like, you know, kids are like buying candy and shit. Like all, yeah, all, sure. all the good stuff is happening. Right Everyone's now. just out and about. The, the sprinklers are about to be cracked open. You're probably going <laughs> to hear music blasting out of my window sooner or later. Like, Dude, that sounds whole album. great, man. Give me all the New York ambiance. It's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm so used to it now. It's like it's it's funny because it all it also varies per borough. So being a Brooklyn and Queens kid, I have a very Brooklyn and ever ever very Brooklyn and Queens New York experience. It's completely different from like Harlem and the Bronx or like something like that. So yeah, oh for sure. I bet. Well, that's it's super interesting about New York is like where you grow up. I mean, it seems like everything is very close, right? But but these sub pockets and these like certain pockets of the city, as you know more than obviously I do because I'm from LA. But but like where you grow up, like it really just kind of you know, changes how you see the world, right? And it kind of changes yeah, how, how you, exactly. you observe. Yeah, because like growing up in LA, you know, LA is huge. And I don't think people from New York understand how big, like LA is not LA. It's like, I had to, you know, my girlfriend's from uh, like Los Angeles County. She's from West Covina. So I've got a whole like tutorial on like Los Angeles. Yeah. And it's fucking huge, you know? Huge. Like it's, it's so much bigger than New York that like, um, when you actually live in New York and you get it, like, you know, it's so condensed, you know, like everybody, like you have to talk to people. Like there's no other way that like 
I could go about my day without talking to somebody. You exactly. Know? It's like, yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah. inevitable. Yeah. So like it just based on where you grow up and how tight those confines are and like how big your family is. Like, I guess like those people learn how to, you know, articulate and like, you know, just converse with anybody. I grew up in a big family and, we just had no other choice but to talk to, uh, but to, talk to people. That yeah. and a Jehovah Witness too. So like, I definitely was knocking on doors. You know, something like you know, preaching Bibles and like talking to people all the time. Yeah, used to it. well, it, it it helps too because you know, as you get older, you realize that being able to make those types of connections are are crucial. And there's a lot of people that grow up without those communities to like always be talking and, and be meeting people and know that yeah. that's kind of the way that, you know, you got to get out there and like, you know, do things and, and see people and do that. And like, that's how trajectory takes you to a different place. It's, it's always yeah. that, right? You can't measure. It's hard. It's hard to quantify, right? It's interesting because I like being from LA, like I have seen the opposite of that. I've seen a lot of people and a lot of creatives uh, in different fields completely kind of like hunkered down and work solo and really just want to do things on their own. And I don't know, like that might really be an LA thing to come out here and to want to do this on your own and to do five things on your own. And I, I fell into that trap for a while, to be honest. Like I, you know, the first like few years of me shooting and, and doing video and all that, like I was doing stuff all on my own, didn't really work with anybody, not for any other reason other than just like, it's harder out here. It's not as easy. Yeah. You have to seek it out. And like the photo meetups and all that, like that helps. But I feel like that's in, in particular areas too. And like, unless you seek, seek it out, it's hard to really collaborate and to network on, on this side. No, totally. I mean, I mean, it just goes into the whole kind of like, and you know, I definitely, I'm a college dropout, so like, you cannot take my word seriously for this stuff. You know what I mean? But I just, I just really feel like, you know, it just goes into the whole kind of thinking of like, you know, you're always in your car, like it's, you have to like, you know, set out your destinations, your locations. So it is like a very self-sufficient kind of thing. But like, and not to say it doesn't work because obviously there's a bunch of people who live in LA and like West Coast lifestyles and like, you know, and it, it, it all is like different strokes for different folks. But I just really love. Like just the condensed community factor of like New York and like the East Coast cities because um you know it just gives you no choice but to interact with people and I feel like the more that you interact with people like you can't there's no there's no metric on social skills like you never can quantify like how yeah. good at your conversation so like right. I think it's just people can't like since there's no real metric to it people don't take it as seriously but then that's the that's the area that I really try to thrive in and uh, and I'm a hermit like for the most part but when I go out. And I get that from my dad as well too. Like he's uh, he was an electrician, so like yeah. I kind of call a lot of the stuff that we do visual contracting because instead of like electricians and plumbers, like you know, there's photographers and videographers and producers. And right. it's the same kind of parallels. Like I can't do everything, so I need to find the, like you know find people that I really like to work with and have the best people for the job to actually like to do anything. You know, but you can even just be going to the store to pick up groceries. Like you know, we need yeah. a strong team to yeah. go over there. You know, like and I'm. I try to just like have that parallel and keep it really simple with that because it is a very deep and involved process. Oh yeah, because you can't because you can't quantify it. You know, like how right. you know it's just, you just have to go off and do like gut emotions and like you know really just and working on faith uh, a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like shooting too. Like you get better by shooting a lot, and you get also better with working with people by working with a lot of people and like learning totally. how people work with you as well, which is important. And like speaking of all this too. Um, you know, like you being a co-founder of street dreams with the other dudes, like, can you kind of talk about how, like for, for one, who they are and, and also how you guys crossed paths a while back? Oh yeah, definitely. So, um, this is actually, I'm, I'm happy that we even like, we're talking about all this stuff for context leading into this because it's actually perfect because, um, there was a point in my career. So I'm, I'm 32 years old now. 
Um, I turned 32 in January and um, we've been doing street dreams officially for five years now. Um, so we started when I was 27 and then that, that'd be, that was like my last real job, quote unquote, real job was, uh, sales. Like I was working sales at REI on, in Soho. Oh, no way. And yeah, dude, I was like the only black dude, like so intense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I never put up a tent in my life. I promise. <laughs> that is the fact. And so I was, but I really like, I mean, I, I really gravitate towards certain jobs sometimes because I really like get into an idea and then like, I, I lose, I lose interest within a month. And then REI had a lot of really cool concepts of like, you know, the, you know, the co-op community and like, you know, this very inclusive kind of vibe, but like, you know, I didn't want to sell memberships for anybody anymore. Like I was just over like selling somebody else's dream and like, you know, and there's all this stuff that you're putting all this energy and effort. And then my dad always used to tell me like, don't live to pay your rent. And then it finally started to make sense to me at that time. Yeah. So you got to live through it, dude. And then I was definitely like the lost kid. I didn't, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. Um, like all my friends used to joke, you know, joke around with me all the time. Like, you know, Steve could do anything from like being a sanitation worker to like working at GameStop forever. You might be happy, <laughs> like, like, because I'm, I'm, I'm a really content kind of person. But yeah. I just got over working with, um, working for people rather than working with with myself and like working with others. Right. So around the same time, um, I really got into photography and um, I stumbled into photography because I, I wanted to work with music and work with more people. And then um, that really didn't work out the way the way I wanted it to. But along the same time, I had a really good connection with my barber, uh, AJ, um, AJ Abano. AJ is like my big bro. Um, and through AJ, you know, barber, your barber knows everybody. Right. AJ knew, knew of somebody who was familiar with my work, this dude in uh, Vancouver. Um, and I like, you know, I told him, like, you know, it gave him like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, I'm down to link up with him anytime. And then AJ... Uh, had he used to have parties all the time because he used to have like a barbershop set up, which is like a lot of the inspiration for like what I want to do with like even our own spaces that we have established for Street Dreams now. Mm-hmm. Like AJ had like the OG setup of like the studio setup with the barber chair, the vintage clothes, like nice. the artwork, and then like everybody used to come chill there all the time. He will always used to do functions, and one of those functions is where I bumped into Eric, and I didn't even know it was Eric at first. Um, I just saw somebody wearing Visdoms, and I was like, oh, those are dope shoes because I'm obsessed with sneakers also. Yeah. So I, I commented on the shoes and coming to find out this dude that I was supposed to meet through AJ, um, that was a dude I was complimenting. Um, so me and Eric hit it off right away, and then he was there with his, um, his, his wife now. His wife now, that was his, um, just his girlfriend back then. And, um, and then the next day that we linked up, um, I took him over to the Williamsburg Bridge, and we walked across the Williamsburg Bridge. And we spoke about the concept of street dreams and really establishing that because no way. You know, I can't, I, I can't, I can't take credit for starting it. You know, the original concept is definitely from um, Eric and Mike created a, a, a Tumblr blog called Street Dreams. Yeah, and then they were running with the Tumblr blog, but they, around the same time as I guess like they were running the Tumblr, like I was really doing my thing in New York with a, a lot of the Instagram community and my own work that I really started to like, you know, really started to you know, you know, build my craft and you know, really just starting to try out new things and. And then the, the, the energy of us doing these, these things parallel, but at the same time, we connected at the perfect time. So when he when we met, when we was talking about street dreams, you know, walking across the Williamsburg Bridge, uh, Eric was, um, I was telling Eric already, like immediately, I know all the people that we should put in the magazine. Like it, it, sh- it shouldn't just be me and you. It should be like all the people that I've been working with and like, you know, building this community with the whole time of like, you know, J- the Jay and Silvers of the world who put me on how to edit and then like, you know, Raheem, Black Soap, who like really showed me that there was, you know, people of color that was into photography just as much as I was. And like, you know, it was like all these really important people that kind of got us to this point. So the birth of Street Dreams is um, through, our, through our barber. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long were you shooting for before you and Eric and, and Mike linked up? So I, I was probably shooting for, 
maybe just about two years. I started shooting when I was about 25. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, and I didn't have any, uh, I didn't have it. Like I didn't go to art school. I didn't uh, take any photography classes. Um, I was really into um, Hypebeast message boards back in the day because okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I am a Hypebeast at heart, uh-huh. even though I hate to say that. Um, but then like, that was kind of like my introduction into like just photography in general, because everybody had to post photos of like, what did you wear today fits? So like, you don't want to post a shitty, what did you wear today photo? Oh, so like, no, I, no way. Yeah, there's no <laughs> way. Yeah. You get roasted for wearing like you know you have a, all the supreme on and then you have like a shitty uh, shitty phone photo like nah I can't do that back even people would roast you back then so it's it, it's all like these weird little introductions into photography and and I never took it seriously but like you know and I, I didn't I didn't have a passion but like finding photography was it, it saved my life and then meeting Eric through my barber was another thing that changed my life so and was Eric because uh, Eric's from uh, Vancouver right. So yeah, was, Eric and so he, Vancouver. Oh, they both are. So so were they both following you before that, or was it just Eric that knew who you were? And then you guys had the convo one-on-one, and then Mike got looped into that that you're the guy. Yeah, so like to understand the dynamic of street dreams, you have to understand like our age groups. Yeah. Like Eric is Eric is about 37 and Mike is about early his early his early forties, like 41. Okay. So I'm the baby, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the baby out of the group. Um, Eric was familiar with my work. Um, maybe at the time, like, um, this is definitely like early Instagram days. So I didn't have as much of a following as I do now. It probably, it probably had to be around 3000 to 4,000 followers. Okay. But, um, but I had to, but I was really, I'm always, I've always been, um, really anti everything and I've always wanted to stand out. So when I started, I started my Instagram and I started to really, you know, understand like the concepts and what people were doing, I just noticed that people were writing all these these weird inspirational quotes all the time that I just I hated, like, yeah. you know, like the sun, the sun will rise tomorrow and all that kind of oh, stuff. And man, I just yeah. really, I, I really like, I really just hate that stuff because it never feels real. And like, you know, so that's so what I decided to do is I created this thing called 16 by nine vibes, which I started to shoot photos in a 16 nine format. So it could ah, be more cinematic. Nice, and huh? then I started, yeah. <laughs> and then I started like basically having like a stream of consciousness, a stream of consciousness for my day. So instead of writing these thoughtful, quote unquote captions, mm-hmm. I would be like, man, I really want a peanut butter jelly sandwich right now. Yeah. And then I would post a photo, like a street photo. And then yeah. people were trying to figure out like, what is he doing? You know, why is he writing all this random stuff? But I've always taken it as like a Shakespearean approach to like everyday yeah. life rather than, rather than just, you know, saying some, you know, some bullshit that I don't identify with. Like I would rather, I would take things out of my conversations from the day or other, like these little New York intricacies at the time that I didn't really know that I was doing, but like, people like Eric really gravitated towards that because like, he's getting a real dose of like a New Yorker's, you know, state of mind, you know what I mean? And then at the same time, it would be a a balance of photography. So he was one of the first people to really understand like what I was really trying to do. And then at the mean, like, and then it took a lot of trust, I guess, on both of our parts because I was just, I was just really, um, really skeptical growing up in New York. You're very skeptical of like just people in general. And, and I, w- I was getting kind of worried of like some of the people I was being associated with. Uh-huh. So Eric, Eric was a really like between Eric and Mike and just how like transparent and open they were. And like, they're Canadian. They're just nicer. You know, uh, <laughs> it, it just changed my, yeah. it changed my viewpoint on a, on, on a lot of things. And it made me, you know, trust the process of like, maybe I, I can, I can listen to somebody else for once in a while. So, um, yeah, a combination of like, you know, you know, Eric being admittingly, he just tell me that he really like, you know, he really vibed with my work. And then like, you know, and I guess like me being trusting enough to like really just see where these things, where, you know, where something like this can go. Like we really uh, created a very strong bond. Um, yeah. And we did this and we've been doing this, like we've created, like we're up to issue 15 now. And like we, and we live on complete opposite coast of the country. And so I, it, it's a true testament of like, you know, 
just us busting our asses to like, you know, to make something work without forcing it all the time. For sure. Well, and it sounds like, you know, you need the, you needed them as much as they needed you to, to make this puzzle just fit perfectly. So, okay. You guys have that conversation in New York and then they go back to Vancouver. So like what, what were the really like beginning uh, steps of, you know, taking what they had already kind of created, but adding you to the mix and making this print publication? Like what were those early steps and like what, what role also did you have in, in getting it going? Um, so the early steps of it is like when they first, like, like I was saying before, like when we were talking about the idea on the bridge, um, at first the concept was going to be, um, another thing that I was doing on Tumblr as well too, is this whole like me versus me, like Steve sweatpants versus series, because I'm obsessed with wrestling and okay. I'm like, we wanted to, <laughs> so it would be like Steve sweatpants versus Eric Veloso. And like, if say I oh, shoot three people it would be like triple threat match, Steve sweatpants versus Eric Veloso. Yeah. Yeah. I've Mike seen, Steve, I've like, seen how you do that. You still do that. I still do it. Yeah. Like, I, I still, I, I, I really like, uh, I really just like this dynamic of like, yeah. you know, just two personalities clashing together. Yeah, like, it's great. How I see you and all that stuff. Yeah. So we, that was going to be the, uh, that, um, that concept was the original concept that Eric really loved. That Eric and Mike really loved as well too. And we wanted to, you know, like we wanted to make that into the magazine as like, that would be the concept. But, um, I just, I mean, like when, when, when we were talking about it, I, I, uh, I was just, like I was telling you before, like I really just had that feeling of like, we needed to incorporate, like a lot of these, we need to pay homage and like put on people that we really, um, you know, that we got that helped us get us in the first place, and also like give a platform for people who never get a, who never get a chance to get their work published. Right. So th- throughout that time, it was like we we so Eric and Mike originally thought about it as being like the meat versus uh, like the sweatpants versus series, but then we started to make it more of like a curated you know gallery, uh, if you will, um, with throughout that process. And then the crazy part about it is that at first it was supposed to be just digital. Um, but then when Eric and, when Eric and Mike got back to Vancouver, they bumped into one of their friends, a friend from high school who actually just started the printing press. So they told them the whole idea about street dreams and how it's going to be a digital magazine. So they told them like, we can actually make it a print. So it went from being a digital magazine to a print issue within like a span of a week. And uh, you guys have always run limited copies, right? I think you what 800 to a thousand usually. Yeah, we do limited copies about 1500 the most. Okay. Um, and then, so, but we like to keep we like to keep the runs limited, just so we make sure. Like one of the things, I guess, too, like we don't since we don't run any ads really like that. It's it, these these are real like art pieces to us, and we really look at look at them as galleries, like as an item out of the gallery. So yeah, when you when you make a bunch of magazines, they usually like kind of rip off the cover to like count it as one. We never want anybody to rip off the front cover of a Street Dreams issue to like. So it could count as inventory. Like we want it to be in people's homes and people to connect with it. And at the same time, it feels like that's something that you can show to your parents or something like that. Especially like it was a really big deal for me to show my parents that I got published into a magazine, even yeah. if it was ours. So it was it was one of those things that helps it helps give it helps build a lot of confidence. So there's something about hard copy that is unlike anything else. And like I, I'm a big fan of magazines also. Actually, dude, the first like the first ever creative thought that I had when I was probably like nine years old is I wanted to start a magazine. And I like got like my paint program together. I started writing in paint, Microsoft Paint. I started printing pages of just like black uh, black ink and all that all over the printer. And my mom was like, no, you can't just print a magazine through our printer that is connected into the office. So that dream ended quickly. But like I like there was something about that early on for me as well. And like that kind of transferred. I mean, today still I love magazines, but also like, you know, hard copies of like photo books and, and albums and things like that. Like, yeah. like 
the the relationship that we have with that and and maybe it goes back to like seeing seeing albums growing up and seeing us in the physical form when we're kids right like in, in the physical print form like there's something tangible about it that that is like irreplaceable you know yeah it, it, exactly i mean i think you nailed it on the head i mean i think between like my, my love for magazines is very similar to like the same way how eric feels about it the same way how mike feels about it like my, my story with magazines is like I grew up listening, to, you know, I grew up with the Word Up magazines and the Game Informer and like Nintendo Power. And like, and like, I used to love, like, you know, I, I used to be so hyped to get my Game Informer issue. <laughs> it, w- it would just be mind boggling to me every single time. And yeah. then like, you know, the same thing with the Word Up magazine. Like when you used to be able to rip out like the post Mary J. Blosh and something like that, I definitely had a Mary J. Blosh poster in my room um, that I ripped out other than the magazine and like, the NBA magazines and definitely Slam magazine was one of my favorites. So like you have like, you build like these tangible, like iconic moments in your childhood from like all these things that you admire in print form because it's like, you can hold it in your hand. And like, I felt the same way about comic books and video games. Like I'm, and I'm still into all those same things and these tangible forms of, you know, art and like, uh, and and just figure out like, you know, interpretations to it of how, how I feel about it and like where I stand like in the balance of it. So being able to like make our own magazine, Especially when I told my parents that, especially because I can, I never could keep a job for more than like six months to a year. But when I started the magazine, my parents were like, you know, you barely can keep a job. <laughs> now you're going to start a magazine. <laughs> so like, uh, but it definitely worked out. I mean, and a lot of it has to do with just having, uh, having people that having a solid team that's not too big. And then, you know, being able to understand what you really want to bring to the table. Yeah. Well, not, for, not forcing anything. How much pressure was on you guys to make this magazine work or did you all have like were you all shooting on the side still and like you like this wasn't your main source of income that you had to make work or like like how did you guys balance street dreams with like your your you know your the work that you're doing on the side honestly like i have never felt i mean i I do get anxiety because we we try to you know we try to get certain certain people to be in the magazine and and like you know and try to meet a certain deadline uh, for our own, for ourselves, but I never felt pressure once, honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm the only time, the only time I felt pressure is like when we do a gallery, we have to present something to people. That's when I'll always like, you know, just lose my shit because like <laughs> I really care. I really, not only do I care about the presentation, but I, right. I really want people to have a good, have a good time. So I can, to this day, I will still get a borderline anxiety attack for every event. But for the magazine, there's never any pressure because, like you said, we, we had things going on on the side like. Uh, my uh, growing up in New York and being able to uh, you know really rely on a strong network of people and really build your reputation of being like you know just a solid a solid person is it's a currency out here and then I've definitely I definitely try to manage you know my relationships and also like you know just try to make sure that I I never shortchange anybody with anything that I've been doing and I've been able to be really uh, I wouldn't say successful but at least financially stable enough to like you know maintain something where I never have to feel like we had to put so much pressure into the magazine and all this um, unwanted attention that we don't need because we're trying to force things. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it always has like a very passionate feel and it is always genuine, um, the creation and curation of the magazine. So it's never any pressure with that, but definitely for the events. <laughs> During an event, I definitely uh, have a little anxiety. Yeah, well, so so how often do you guys do these events and, you know, like what, what, can, what can you expect to like kind of go down in one of these things? Uh, so we've been doing an events now for the past uh, five years as well, too. Yeah. And uh, we tried to keep the events. Uh, when we first started off the magazine, we really started to do a lot of the events that we did. It was everything was all inclusive. Like we had we brought in the DJ. We brought in 
our, our families. We brought in the obviously like the gallery itself. We brought in like you know everything like some some merch some merch options, and we really tried to make it a really all encompassing experience where like you could see. Uh, you can see someone like from my parents and my sister to somebody else bringing their parents because they're really proud of the gallery and at the same time we're listening to like you know Travis Scott and Portishead and turn it up <laughs> you know and then yeah. we just really wanted to break that mold of the stuffy gallery and I've been to so right. I went to a couple of galleries and not all of them are like that but we definitely had this reputation of for a time. Uh, reputation for a while of being like this thing that like you have to be a certain way you have to like you know hold yourself accountable for certain things and um and we want to hold people accountable as well too but hold people accountable to the work and hold people accountable to being like just normal human beings who can enjoy like an environment like a gallery and at the same time be human enough to like talk to each other and, and figure out how to network amongst each other so like to do the same thing that we're doing um, because a lot of it is predicated off of like having really good social skills and like just being being passionate about a lot of the things that we wanted to communicate. So our gallery started, like I said, all inclusive, and then now we've been building our verticals of like Street Dreams Radio, and then we've been doing Street Dreams Radio events for the past two years now. So that's oh, something nice. else that we're super passionate about, and because you know Eric, Mike, and myself are all obsessed with music, and each in our each in our different ways. With Street Dreams Radio, we have a real chance to. Uh, curate sounds and uh, curate sounds and selections and artists of people that we you know that we really love and then also give the same kind of concept of the magazine of giving other artists and DJs a chance to really shine and you know and and be in events and places so they can succeed and and feel successful so yeah. uh, the street change radio stuff is we're just as passionate about um, and we feel like has a lot of potential to, to really take off and see where it goes as well yeah man like you guys have created this just like world right like the street dreams world and you can put so many things under this umbrella and showcase different creators and like all different aspects which is really really rad so like okay like if I'm listening to street dreams radio like how do I do that so that's one thing that we're really working out right now we're in the process of basically developing I'm just more of like uh, me, Eric, 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 myself, are developing podcasts, and also we're curating um, just straight playlists so that people can really start tuning in um, instead of just going to the events. Because we've always had, we've always liked to work backwards in, the, in some situations like this by uh, working on events and building up the culture and building up uh, building up the community through um, through the events. So then when we bring it back into like uh, I guess uh, to the internet and bringing it back into like the tangible form yeah uh people could really have something to, to gravitate towards so like we will there might be a session there might be a street genius radio session but we will play like um uh, a live set from what from what we did previously from one of the djs who gotcha. really killed it so yeah a lot of people will be able to connect with those kind of situations and and figure out like more about the, the, the street dreams universe because you said it like we wanted to we want to build a world like we want to really have an ecosystem that people could live in and right. and always get something that's solid and pure um, because that's the stuff that, you know, Eric, myself, Eric, Mike, and myself are all concerned about with, like, it's just a really simple process. Like we want to do really dope shit. Yeah, <laughs> Period. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so when you guys were first putting out, uh, street dreams in, in hard copy and these first photographers and these collaborations that you guys are putting together, you know, how did you, how did you go about finding those creatives? Like, were they people that you guys all kind of knew and you knew that you wanted to showcase? Cause I feel like street dreams you don't only showcase people with big numbers, right? Like that's not what you guys exactly. look for. You look for no. like genuine talent and creativity in their field. And like, like I know that that's not the easiest thing to find because, you know, certain people like maybe don't put out as much work as the person that has a million followers, things like that. Like how exactly. do you, how do you go yeah. about finding those people still today? Um, I mean, that's partially why we don't feel any pressure curating these issues because we take our time with this, a lot of this stuff. And um, a lot of the issues that we want to cure, that we curate, 
Um, for example, like if we were doing for a lot of the New York issues that we, we were doing, we tried to keep it as a very East Coast vibe of the magazine. So we were looking for specifically people out of the East Coast region so we could really showcase their work. And then we don't like to, you know, we don't like to be too much on the side of, of you know, showcasing too much people's work with a follower with a high follower count. Uh-huh. We like to have that balance of, you know, having enough male and female representation, having enough people that are, I guess, socially, um, they have like a, a socially relevant quote unquote, and also the people that are up and coming. Right. Because a, a lot of it, I mean, a lot of that has to do with different, the different perspectives that we want to showcase because we can't just showcase um, perspectives from people with a hundred K followers and up um, because it's going to be a very skewed perspective. Um, for street dreams, even like the name of the name itself, like we want it to be, we want it to mean wake up and do what you love. So that means for, for all people, all ages, uh, all genders, all every, pretty much all inclusive of everything. Um, yeah. A lot of the, a, a lot of the um, ways that we cultivate these relationships is also, um, as a, a genuine word of mouth thing um, as a combination of being nosy and also like uh, being and talking to everyone and constantly communicating and looking for new work. So, you know, I know that I obsess with, uh, being a, I never understood what it meant to be a photo editor until I really t- took up this job um, because I, the only thing I do all day is obsessive over somebody else's work. <laughs> that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much. And I, and I, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoy that, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's the same thing for Eric as well too, Eric and Mike as well too. So we, um, we, we scour the internet. We, we talk to all of our friends. We, we are constantly in tuned uh, what's, what's going on in the community because it's pretty much, uh, that's what we do every day. That, that's I pretty much wake up and just, and just do that. Yeah. Um, I, I love personally. I love having a, a personal connection to the photographer. Um, it, no matter what connection it, it might be, it might be like we uh, we had a drink on one random night, or like you you might have came to a photo walk, or um, I might have bumped in, I might have like checked you out at the Apple Talk or something like that. There's so many different ways that we can really start gravitating towards towards somebody's work. So um, we just keep it completely open as possible and. Based on where we're doing the issues, like we're working on a Japanese issue, we have a def- we definitely have a Japanese focus on photographers and artists that we want to work and curate with as well, too. So yeah. um, each, each, each of them kind of follow that cadence. Yeah, and that's important, too, because, you know, especially now in, shit, 2019, with especially with Instagram, like people get super discouraged when they don't, you know, hit a certain number of either followers or likes and things like that. But like what it's really done too is, is made it to where the only people that will be featured in a lot of these magazines and publications either need to be, you know, some of the biggest people in the world based on numbers or just, you know, I mean, talent too, but, but they have to be, you know, that level. So it, it's discouraging, right. To all these, these guys and girls that like shoot all the time, shoot for a living. And it almost feels like there's no way for their work to be seen past past a certain threshold, right? And like what you guys have done is kind of sift them out and, and really showcase them. And honestly, like I'm sure you guys have changed the course of a lot of these photographers' lives and don't even realize it. Like you may have given them the confidence to, you know, once they're in Street Dreams Mag to like go out and like have a portfolio of work now and they can show people and even say like, I've been in Street Dreams Mag, you know, like like this is this is what I worked really hard for and I want to do it for you guys. And like, you may have changed the lives of so many of these creatives without realizing. Yeah. I mean, it's really humble. It's really humbling to think about something like that because we, we are like, we are in a, we do live in a, in a bubble. So like be, um, I am, I am blessed to like, you know, have those situations where you can kind of hear that, but at the same time, like we want to do so much more. 
for these photographers and these other creatives and like not to sound like too sales pitchy because I, I really mean that shit like you know yeah. there's especially when you get a, an understanding of how a lot of this stuff works and like you see the opportunities that that are really out there it's, it's kind of like you know you get to this you know you get to the highest point and then like you get and then you can actually see over and then you notice that there's more room up there. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's kind of like, that's kind of how we feel with a lot of things with the opportunities for the photographers and the, and the creative community and street dreams, because we don't even, we don't want to limit it just to photography. We want to work with all artists uh, from music to graphic designers to, you know, painters. And, you know, it, it really, it really expands all our forms. So yeah, uh, it's humbling, but it's also, there's more work to be done, you know? Well, and also I want to talk about, uh, the agency side of street dreams. So like, what, what does that look like? Just, you know, kind of all around, like, what does that look like? What kind of companies and brands do you work with? You know, like how, how does this kind of flow into street dreams as well? Oh, that's another, like another thing that's a kind of a perfect marriage. So we basically, we started an agency, um, basically maybe a couple of, maybe a couple of issues, maybe I would say at least like a two, maybe two issues after we've started street dreams because we started to realize that um all of the photographers that we were curating and working with with each with each issue yeah um were like pretty much like photographers that if you will would be like a working roster of people that we um that we have that connection with and that we can work that we work with so right now from only that being able to be be able really close with photographers and graphic graphic designers and other you know, creators within that world. Um, but we were also very good at establishing um, a mood and being able to create like a scenes and, and create an ambiance for, uh, for different things and different, uh, different aesthetics where we knew what we knew what we were doing, but we didn't understand the, the true power of it until right. we really started to work on campaigns to see like, now that clients are asking, like they want a street dreams look, you know, and then like we had to even figure out like, what is the street dreams look? Um, so we really started to identify with, other photographers and designers and creatives to really uh, establish uh, all these different things that we could work with different clients and uh, for establishing different moods and themes and just a more raw documentation of, of just life and being able to capture um, and capture it for brands and being able to really communicate products for certain people. So it's been really crazy to uh, do that because uh, especially on the agency side, because like the more, the more experience that we have working within, like, you know, working with clients in the agency, but we just have a better understanding of how we want to communicate it to our audience and also to communicate it for ourselves too. And how we want to interpret it, interpret it for, uh, with our art style. So, yeah. Well, and okay. So you guys have worked with like Nike, HBO, New Balance, uh, the New York Knicks, Tribeca Film Festival. So like these these gigantic names. In the beginning, when when brands were reaching out and you guys had this roster, like how how would you, you know, deploy the troops? You know what I mean? Like how, like did it get to a point yeah. where you had so many different shoots happening at once that you would have like, you know, multiple people in different different parts of the country, you know, doing all these shoots? Did you have just a couple shoots trickling in and you had to kind of weed through and see who would be best for the job? Like how how did you guys go about like, you know, picking and choosing your battles when it came to which photographers would go shoot which thing? I mean, I, I guess it, 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 that, that this only comes with time, but we ha we just had to work with multiple clients. We had to work with multiple clients to understand the situations that, that were at hand. For example, like Tribeca Film Festival, we would work with Tribeca Film Festival for five years. Yeah. And over the five years of working with Tribeca Film Festival, we started to understand which photographers were really good in certain situations. We started to understand with which photographers 
It'll probably be will probably work on more environmental situations. Some photographers will work on red carpet more. Some photographers will focus on portraiture. You know, there's all these different kind of strengths that we would try to lean towards rather than putting people in situations where they won't succeed. Yeah. Um, I've always I've always felt like, especially having a lot of retail experience, like I've worked at GameStop, Sears, Express, you know, REI, like you know, McDonald's. I've worked in pretty much in every situation. And I've, I've always felt that, like you know, a lot of the times I didn't like my job is I wasn't in the right position to succeed so we really we really tried to emphasize that that point um that point home when we're working with clients and also understanding the assets that are that are that are requested some 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 scenarios are your creative input is more needed in other situations your creative input is more it's just not you know it's more like just let's execute this vision and let's do this as the best to our the best way to our aesthetic right and there's a good balance of understanding that as well too um, there, the, even like, even right now, this week alone, there's, uh, one of the, we, we have, one of our main clients is Planned Parenthood. So we, we work a lot with Planned Parenthood and we have photographers being sent out to shoot stuff like this. But at the same time, we have a new balance, a new balance shoot this week. And at the same time, um, I'm still working on finishing a project up with the Knicks for like for this Monday and then still have a three day shoot for Nike, like starting tomorrow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just been crazy. It's like, there's been it's, so it's much work. So, so when do you... When do you decide which work you take on yourself as a photographer and what work you, you know, kind of delegate, right? Like, like do the, does the work that you do, is it all under the umbrella of Street Dreams Agency as well? Or are these side projects that you step, step off the side to do? Well, I guess that's, that's, where, that's where the technicality comes into it from because technically they're all Street Dreams projects, but depending yeah. on how it breaks down, there are working with individuals specifically. Okay, like uh, like the the New York Knicks, for example, is one of our one of our favorite clients to work with, and we've been working working with them for the past two years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the reasons why they are familiar with my work is because the work that you know that we've established with Street Dreams. But at the same time, they want to work with me as an individual at first, then to see what happens. Um, in the future, so working with other potential people out of the street dreams roster. So gotcha. I work, I work, you know, working with the next one season by myself. I was able to bring in, um, incorporate Street Dreams magazine, a Street Dreams magazine editorial. I was able to put on three different photographers to work with it. Um, I recently just got a poet to be hired by the. Um, There's going to be hired by the New York Knicks to work with them on the staff and stuff like that. So there's a lot of different ways that uh, from the people that we've been working with um, in the past, so that we can, you know. I guess kind of filter them in, and there's other situations where there's a, a Honda situation where we, we worked with Honda on a national campaign, which was pretty much you know a straight up. Uh, we did a, a four a four photo walk tour and a, a magazine, and each of the photo walks a photographer had an opportunity to print their work into um, get their work printed into the magazine. So we gave incentive. We did a photo walk, and at the same time, we kind of opened it up way more off the beginning to work with a bunch of people rather than filtering it out. Um, a little bit one by one. So like we, we, under, we just have to understand like, the cadence of what the client, what the client request is. And then we try to the best of, uh, best of our knowledge to, you know, add as much creative input that we need to, or, you know, dial it back a little bit and just execute the vision um, as sufficiently and low bandwidth as possible. Yeah. And, and do you guys do collaborations with brands uh, in the magazine quite a bit? Like do a lot of your, a lot of your um, publications like kind of, do things where you collaborate with, let's say, the Knicks for for a series, and, and you do that, and you show that as well in Street Dreams Mag. Or are these all campaigns that they're using for one hundred percent their personal use? 
for example, like uh, the Knicks one is a good example because it has a lot of layers to it. The Knicks wanted to work with uh, the Knicks wanted to work with me, and it started off with Black History Month. Uh-huh. Working with them for Black History Month as one of the main photographers to document the games and the practices. Yeah, and then it, and it evolved, it evolved into a conversation of being able to do a full magazine editorial in the Street Dreams issue. Oh, cool. um, um, and then that evolved into being able to work with them um, for the NBA games in London. They sent me out to London with the with the team and to document that. And then that evolves into other photographers being able to have a chance to work with them as well, too, uh, the people of the of this suggestion from the Street Dreams uh, roster of photographers. So, I mean, they, they all have like these different, like I was saying, like they have these different kind of steps to the process. But it, it, it is, um, you know, they all, they, all kind of, they, they all really vary on the situation. Yeah. Um, we just try to really, I mean, I guess that this is something that I learned from my father as well, too, him being a, a contractor um, and an electrician is that we we really like it is it's pure visual contracting one-on-one like whatever whatever we can come in we can come give a job an estimate and then be able to see like well what do you actually need to need to get done and then we can help facilitate whatever you need yeah um and just try to be really flexible and not and not pushy <laughs> you know for sure oh yeah well and i wanted to ask you earlier what what kind of care and curation do you guys put into each individual magazine because i feel like each magazine kind of holds its own weight when it comes to what you guys are really trying to convey in that issue you know and like it it can't be easy to go through you know the photographer's shots and like everything and curate it exactly you know kind of like the vision that you guys set out to to show and then when it actually comes down to it like what you guys want people to feel but like what what kind of preparation but also like curation goes into each issue the way that we like to represent work is uh past, present, and next, you know, mm-hmm. we really like to show like where, where something came from. We like to show like the, the contemporary element of it as well too, to show like what's going down right now. And then we like to see what the future holds right. as well too. So we really try to have that, those three simple, those three simple words be a very, like our backbone of each issue. Right. Um, because honestly, every issue that we come out with is my favorite issue. <laughs> every, single time, every single time I was like, well, this is the best one yet, you know? Yeah. And then really, and that feeling is, uh, that feeling is, uh, this, that feeling is with all of us, Eric, Mike, and myself and everybody else involved in, in, into like the overall production of the magazine. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with, um, just creating this platform that we look at as a time capsule. If yeah. they were to bury the magazine in the dirt and then pull it out in the next 50 years, we want people to look through it and be like, oh, damn, like this is what was going on at the time. And like these are the all like the dopest elements of, of, of you know, of the world that was going on in this era. And then we were, we really try to keep that cadence and really try to hold that really, uh, really close to us because each, each issue is really like a love letter to not only to, uh, like the community, but also for ourselves, like, you know, we really just can't equate how much, you know, what people go through on an everyday basis. You know, I've been going through a lot of stuff in my own personal life. And I know the same thing with Eric and Mike as well too. So, um, these are really like, it's really like, like they're like love letters. They're like love letters. They're time capsules is a, is the, uh, an essence of finding the past, present and the next is pretty much all these passionate elements to make it genuine. And I think that's why people really, uh, really fuck with it and gravitate towards it because we uh, we are putting a lot of our emotions and our, our heart into this uh, each issue that's being made yeah and like dude that's that's ultimately the heart of street street photography as well you know like you nailed yeah. it on that like in that i'm sure that's what you fell in love with and like as as a, a viewer of street photography because like you know honestly like i don't shoot street 
and I wish I could, I wish I did, but like to me, it's kind of, it's kind of the top of the list of just for, for, you know, getting a feeling of a place in time, like you said, a yeah. time capsule, like there is nothing else like it. And like that landscape photo of a dude in an orange beanie staring off into Yosemite, like, you know, those yeah. photos are nice too. They really are. But yeah. there's something about street photography that, that resonates with anyone and everyone and it there's something no beautiful control, about it, you, you know? know and i i, I just the, the the thing that i always love about street photography you know because that's definitely like the way that i fell in love with photography is you have no control over anything you know yeah. <laughs> you can't and if, and if you are trying to control the situation i don't think you're really doing pure forms of street photography and that's just subjective that's just my view it, it doesn't have to be right but street photography to me is always like this balance of like you found a really perfect way to communicate and and show the elements of like of life and frame it in a way that is un, that un, unhinders the experience of something if somebody interacts with the camera then that's one thing instead of you telling them what to do you yeah. know what i mean like mm-hmm. and then that's the same thing what we feel about the way that we want to curate our issues like we, we don't want to tell somebody like oh we're about to hit you up for this issue we want you to be doing your thing Right. Like completely unaware of us <laughs> almost. Yeah. So that when we come to you, it's, a, it's always like this genuine thing. And then like every time when we ask photographers and, and artists who work with us, we always tell them like, you know, just give us the stuff that you really, that really, that you really communicate with or what you feel represents your work and, and where you are in your life. And, you know, and then stuff like that is, it, this is why you have like, such a, uh, I guess such an, an honest, like an honest rendition of what's going on because you're not asking anybody for some fake shit, you know? Right. And then, <laughs> you know, as a street photographer and like all of you guys in, you know, all the founders of Street Dreams being, you know, incredible street photographers, like to me, it's a very, uh, it's a very tough world to get into because there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to, to becoming a good street photographer. And one layer is also confidence, right? Like getting in there and being confident enough to, to get the shot because you only have a few moments to get it. And the other layer too is comfortability, I feel like, or one of the layers yeah. is comfortability. Like what what have you seen even in like your own work and like the, the progression of your work, but like what are some some things that you feel make you a good street photographer that maybe a lot of people don't realize goes into becoming a good street photographer. Maybe they're nervous to try it because it's, you know, it is an intimidating style of photography. Um, it is very, very intimidating and it doesn't really stop being intimidating. It, it, like if there's, there are moments where you kind of like, I feel adrenaline is key. <laughs> when you yeah. push your adrenaline starts pumping, uh, you kind of forget a lot of shit. Um, and the, you don't, you're not as judgmental over the situations. Like you can kind of like, you know, cast those things aside but I think the most vital thing for me is street photography is preparation. Like people don't preparation doesn't just mean like setting up your camera and like having the right camera and stuff like that. It means like literally like your place in the street and understanding and anticipating what's going to happen at a certain point. If I know that like I want to, if I could spot somebody sometimes like, like say if I'm, I want to catch somebody at the cro- middle of the crosswalk and I spot the, like a, a really cool acidic Jew about to cross the street. Yeah. I will literally try to make sure I get to my spot. First, um, maybe almost like a ninja that's like kind of unaware that like you know the ninja's about to pull up. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. And I really try to you know try to compose and get all the framing down as much as possible without having to always make it into these candid situations. You know, like right. I, I don't I, like, because at, at the same time I still like 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 I said you can't control anything, but what I can control is like where I am and like what I can do. So I really really try to keep that. Uh, I keep that in mind a lot all the time and 
<laughs> really, in a, if the situation if the situation calls for it, um, that I do have to interact with somebody. I don't I go up to somebody with my camera in their face the first time. I really try to fuck with people and talk to them and like you know make some joke or joke around. Like yeah. I think I think it's really powerful to get somebody to laugh um, within the first couple of. If I could get you to laugh within the first fifteen seconds then I pretty much, I could be cool with you for the whole time. So right. if, I don't set, if I don't set up myself for a situation where I can like, say if I see like there's a really dope shadow that's like creating like a triangle and I see somebody about to hit the spot, I will run to that spot first so I can set it up and make sure that I'm good. And then the person could be completely unaware that I'm even there. And yeah. then the big thing too is that if I miss it, I miss it. I move on, you know, like just life moves on. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not going to sit there and like, I, I definitely think about it all the time. And I'm not saying like, Oh man, like you know, I'm I'm not gonna be mad that I missed this shot, but more or less, like I just think about it. And I was like, man, you know, I'm gonna try to do that again, or I try to keep like stored in the visual bank in my head and understand, like, you know, I'm gonna come back and get this later, and it works, you know. So yeah. it's a it's a big balance of you know knowing where you are and trying to get to those spots, uh, being a normal person and making people laugh, and also like not being too hard on yourself and just letting shit go. Yeah, man, and has that made working with models and more of a, uh, like a bigger budget plan. Has it made those shoots easier for you or is it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like it Because would. like you have to have a balance of like, you want to take yourself seriously, but I'm not, this, this is not like rocket science. Like, and I won't, yeah. there, there's other serious, there's way more serious jobs in the world of people like being firefighters and like police officers and like, you know, saving lives and all this other stuff. Like we're not doing anything like that. You know, but we but we do have a very important job, which is like, you know, helping people creatively and, and giving them that creative foundation. And like, but at the same time, we have to figure out why we're doing it in the first place. Like, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm just not taking photos for you. I'm taking photos for myself. Right. You know, and I really need to understand like why I, I communicate with it. And I, I think words are important. Like, I don't like to just say I'm taking photos. Like I, I'm, I'm documenting, like, you know, it's a, it's a big difference for me, yeah, you know, for sure. Um, but yeah, like, you, we're working with we're working with clients and stuff like that. It makes it a lot easier because they can just tell if your confidence and your and then your candor. It just makes them open up on set because they usually don't deal with people like that. Yeah, definitely. Nice man. Well, you know what I do want to ask, and I feel like after talking to you, you guys don't give a shit. Is is, <laughs> no. is, is what uh, is what you guys think? You know, kind of collectively, is going to happen to these print publications and you know where maybe the medium goes whether street dreams eventually is digital only or if i feel like you guys say you know fuck that and like you guys will keep putting these things out no matter exactly where. Yeah, well you know right? it i mean yeah. you 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 honestly like if you yeah you know us because it's that is exactly the fuck that like you yeah. know we, we're, go, we're going for it we're we're trying to make bigger issues um we, there's there's a lot of crazy conversations that we've been having lately about I mean, it's just, there is a lot of things that we've been doing um, that other people have been noticing. And then now those other people that notice are trying to really help facilitate the the vision and the foundation. So it just makes it really exciting to go into like these next couple of years because, you know, like I, um, I'm doing a lot of this stuff. um, I'm a, I'm really big on family and I do a lot of this stuff. Like my dad, my dad means a lot to me and and my dad, um, he's been, he's been sick a lot lately and, and, and then I know, and I know everything that he means that he, that he tried to do established with his business and his electrical company. And, um, that's just motivation, motivation for me to like, not, you know, especially for everything that he's been through. Like, I want to make sure that I can pick up the mantle for him and, and have him proud of me and, 
and and my family proud of me of what what we're trying to accomplish and not just proud of me of because we're doing something but like no it actually means something in the world um that we feel like when it's all said and done if we're not here anymore that um that street dreams will still be here um yeah. and then that that's why we feel is really important so we uh developing bigger magazines bigger events um, opportunities for other photographers to work with companies and jobs and gigs that they really that they truly love to do, and hopefully people have a chance to work with Street Dreams sooner or later. So yeah, man, I, I, um, we yeah. think we're thinking about a lot, but hopefully I could be on this earth long enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, man, that's uh, that's heavy. That's that's you know that's big. That's a big deal. And all the best to your dad too. I appreciate it, dude. Seriously. Um, man. Well, you know, I really appreciate you giving me the time and giving us the time to, uh, you know, kind of pick your brain about, you know, street dreams and your own stuff and all that. So to see, to, or to find your work on Instagram, it's, it's Steve sweatpants, which yes. is hard to forget. Steve sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, sweatpants, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, dude. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can see Street Dreams Mag on Instagram at Street Dreams Mag. And then can you let people know how they can get their hands on uh, on an old publication or a new publication coming out? Uh, so the best way to get your hands on a publication right now is going to streetdreams.co. We only have the digital issues available right now, but we are launching our new issue, issue 15, in October. So go check that out. Cool. Thank you so much, Stephen. I appreciate it, man. Uh, you too, bro. Peace. That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and checking out that episode of the Darkroom Podcast with Stephen Irby. Uh, you can see his work at Steve Sweatpants on Instagram. Definitely check out Street Dreams Mag and grab a limited run of the 15th issue in Japan. But yeah, thanks again, Stephen. I appreciate you. And man, I uh, I miss New York. When did I go there last? I was just, I feel like I was just there, but I wasn't. No, I was there in like 2016. Um, I need to go. I want to shoot there too, you know, like seeing all his photos and, you know, just thinking about shooting street style out there. For one, it still scares me. It's very scary. And you know why? Because I think this is what I think. I'm going to rant for a second. So I think that I'm going to, I'm going to see something and a situation or someone and I'm going to want to shoot it. And, you know, people like Steven, they make it seem so easy and flawless, but I'm going to point my camera at this person and they're going to lose it on me. They're going to absolutely lose their shit on me. And they're going to make me feel like I'm invading them. Like I'm invading their space. And then I'm going to backtrack and like not be able to speak words. So then they're going to further think that like now I can't say anything because I got caught. And then I'm going to run with my camera. And I'm going to trip. And then the camera is just going to blow up on the, on the ground. And then it's going to get run over by a taxi. And then I'm going to look at you know, look at whoever I'm with and just say, just leave me here. Uh, yeah, it just, it's, but I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back out there. I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. All right, you guys. Anyways. Okay. Say hey to us at dark room. You can say hey to me at Dane Diener. Um, and yeah, uh, a rating would be great. A review would be great. It's, is that like a weird way to, to phrase it? Like rating great review. Great. Uh, you guys. Great. Uh, we appreciate you. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, great. Uh, yeah. All right, you guys. Thank you. Uh, we will see you guys next week where we have another episode of the Darkroom podcast and one that I'm excited about as well. So, all right, you guys, we will see you next week. Have a good night or day or morning.